listening to The Venue Podcast. The Venue is a worship gathering at Southcrest Baptist Church. We hope that this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. Amen. Go ahead and grab a seat. And it's so good to study God's Word with you all today. If you have your Bible, turn to 1 John. 1 John chapter 5, we're going to be in verse 14. We've got today and then next week finishing up on Father's Day and then will be in Proverbs. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 is where we're going to begin in just a minute. 1 John 5, 14. Uh, Lauren and I were talking with some friends uh, earlier this week and um, they're fixing to get married soon. And uh, the groom-to-be, uh, Jet, he, it's about, his, how cool is this? His name is Jet and he flies, he flies jets for a living. Like, dude, like, that's just, that's just cool. I'm just saying. And he was on the tech track team because he's fast. Like, this is just like goals, right? I'm just saying. Um, I was talking with Jet about flying, and um, I should have got him up here because he knows way more about it than I do, uh, obviously. <laughs> but Jet was sharing something about uh, this, this idea called spatial disorientation. Um, and that is the idea, at least one idea of that, is that you're flying and you get in clouds, and because of the clouds, you get disoriented spatially, right? Which makes sense, right? Can maybe even, uh, especially if you're in a turn, then he, talk, he was talking about the fluid in your ears. This, this is where he was losing me. The fluid in your ears getting kind of out of whack. And then when you come back level, your body still thinks that you're turning, like just kind of some weird stuff, right? And so he said, yeah, really, it can be kind of scary uh, when, when you're in the clouds. Which you think, if you've flown, you think about it when you're looking out your little tiny window, right? Even just looking out when it, sometimes in the clouds, it just completely grays things out where you really don't know how far you are from the ground or um, what's in front of you. And the, the scary thing is to me, like the pilots are experiencing that as well, right? Like just to make you feel encouraged this morning if you're on a flight later today. <laughs> So he said, in that moment, and what you have to do, you have to rely on your instruments, right? Your flight instruments in front of you, the gauges that help you know if, if your level, um, how, what your altitude is, all those things, you, you rely on those when it becomes kind of gray and hazy and, and confusing. And as we were talking, I was like, bro, I don't know what it is yet, but there's a metaphor in there somewhere, right? Like I know there is. And you could probably use it for lots of things, but I think it's helpful for today in that, um, I, when I think about our prayer lives, I think often in our prayer lives, it can feel kind of like this cloudy, abstract idea that we can lose our bearings on. So for, for some of you, maybe you're, you're middle school, you're high school, preteen nation, wherever, like um, maybe you've not been praying real long, so you don't expect to have it all figured out, but prayer just seems like this gray idea gray as in confusing of like cloudy, like I'm supposed to talk to God, but, but what does that really mean? What does that really look like? Or, or maybe um, you, uh, your high school days are long past and you've been praying for a while and still it feels like you just kind of get lost in the clouds sometimes. Like it's hard to get your bearings on your prayer life. Uh, I, I've talked with enough of you to know my own life. Like I think the, when we look at the word of God, it feels more concrete and objective because you can like literally touch it and hold it. Where prayer sometimes it, it is, it's easy to get kind of lost in the abstractness of it. Well, here's what's cool about 1 John 5, 
14 through 17, is he gives us some, some flight instruments, if you will, some, some gauges to help us in our prayer life. So even when things seem cloudy and foggy and like not really sure what we should be praying for, all those things, these are some gauges that we we can know our objective truth. So even if you feel like your prayer life is kind of gone crazy, these are, so, are, are like uh, not level headed towards hitting the ground. These are some gauges, some flight instruments to help you stay on track. Some things you can look to as objective truth. So that said, let's jump in in verse 14. He says, this is the confidence we have before him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of him. And first uh, flight instrument of prayer instrument we're gonna see on our, our gauges here is this. Really simple, but I think it's here, no doubt. God invites us to pray about anything and everything. God invites us to pray. He invites you to pray about anything and everything. Now, I really do believe that this is kind of um, a subordinate idea in the text, kind of a secondary idea in the text, but still fundamental, foundational to what John is saying. I mean, like, so we can ask anything, and he gives some, some nuance that we're going to get into in the second point, but we can ask anything, and he hears whatever we ask. So, you can ask him anything and everything. You, you can go before him, as it says, to ask anything and everything. Again, such a simple truth, but an important truth. That there's no aspect of your life that God's gonna go, yeah, I don't really wanna talk about that. There's no aspect of your life that God's gonna go, ah, I don't really have time for that. Let's talk about something different. No, he wants to hear from you. He wants to, to talk with you. I was at a coffee shop a couple weeks ago and ran into um, a girl and her dad. She had grown up in the student ministry here and she's gone off and got married now. Super exciting, good times in life. But her and her dad were there and um, chatted with them for a little bit and then went and sat down and just studying a little bit. And every now and then, I, as I would glance up around the coffee shop, saw them sitting there. I thought it was, it was cute, whatever word you want to use. No, guys, shouldn't use the word cute, but whatever. Like they're, instead of sitting across from each other at this coffee shop, uh, there was uh, uh, one side of the table was a bench and this girl, and she's I don't know, 23, 24 years old, married. She's sitting there. She's got her laptop out. She's got all her work. She's still, she's working on her master's degree in counseling. She's sitting there and her dad is propped up beside her. No work, coffee mug. And he's just like leaned up, leaned up against the back of the couch, just talking, totally engaged in what she's saying. Uh, what a cool picture of our heavenly father. As, as Kaylee and Britt were talking, I noticed Britt, the dad, he never, when Kaylee would say things, he was never like, <sighs> check out a little bit until she talks about something interesting. <laughs> no, he told me, he said, when they were going to order, he said, man, when, you're, when your married daughter invites you to coffee, to breakfast, just to hang out and chat, man, you don't miss it. You don't pass it up. I really do believe that that's the father's heart towards us. Man, my son, my daughter wants to chat. Yeah, let's, let, let's talk. 
anything and everything. We can go before him. And I love that picture. He doesn't <clears throat> sit across from us like it's some business transaction with his arms crossed. No, he comes up alongside us like, hey, son, daughter, let's, let's chat. Look me in the eyes. Let's talk about anything, whatever you want to talk about. God wants to talk to you about school. He wants to talk to you about where you work. He wants to hear about your family. He wants to hear about your friends. I don't, I don't think that God is in the, the business of uh, helping sports teams win, but I do think he likes, which I mean, granted, every little boy and girl has prayed for God to help them win, right? Like, for sure have been there, done that when I was playing in the NFL. Um, <laughs> no, but I do think he wants to talk to you about like how you're interacting with your teammates and what's going on in life. No subject is off limits. He wants to talk to you about your stress. He wants to talk to you about your kids and the ways that you're worried about them. Anything and everything. So, so what do we do with that? We talk to God. We, we pray. I think that the devil has, or even just our culture, gosh, has sometimes stifled and uh, hindered our prayer lives because we feel like, well, if I don't have this really deep prayer life, like should I even really pray? All my prayers are shallow. I would say the way you, you grow into a deep prayer life is just to begin to pray, right? Like, don't stay there. Like, don't stay in a shallow place, but it's okay to start, to start in a shallow place. Like, let me, impact, like, just, like, our kids are taking swim lessons. We, now I know you, like, the, you know, the old ad, throw them in the deep end, let them figure it out, right? <laughs> like, um, but I, we let them start in the shallow end and work towards the deep end, right? Like, they're not gonna be comfortable in the deep end if they can't figure out how to, like, stand up in the water, which they're past that, but you know what I mean? Like, they start shallow. Don't stay shallow, but that's how you learn to go to the deep end. Think that in, the pra- in your prayer life. Don't give up on prayer because, well, I don't have any deep prayers. No, just, just pray. Just talk to God and he'll take you deeper. God invites us to pray about anything and everything. Well, well, does my prayer make a difference? Like, does it actually matter? Does he, even, does he hear me? Does he respond? John would love to answer that for you. Let's read verses 14 and 15 again. This is the confidence we have before him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of him. Now, before I give you this second point, let's, let's walk through it a little bit, okay? So it, first, we can be confident that our prayers matter. And what is the confidence we have? It's that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Now, hears us not like God was off doing his own thing and all of a sudden you ask something according to his will and it's like, oh, I heard that. No, the idea of he hears us is that he gives a favorable response. So it's not that he wasn't listening and now he is or something was blocking his ears, <coughs> excuse me, and now he can hear. No, he gives a favorable response. We ask in accordance with his will. And then he says, verse 15, unpacks even more of this idea of confidence. And if we know that he hears whatever we ask, 
we know and we have confidence that we have what we have asked of him. So it's, he's saying it's, it's good is done. It's, you can count on it. You can take it to the bank that he wants to answer in favor. But there's, there's a condition here that kind of screams off the pages. What is it? In verse 14, according to his will, right? You should, you should underline that or highlight it. He says, according to his will. So we can, we can talk to God about anything. Absolutely. He wants to hear from us about whatever's on our hearts. But the idea of him responding, answering our requests favorably and saying, yes, child, like you can have this is dependent on, are we praying in accordance with his will? So just as a quick side note, this is not name it and claim it. Like, man, just whatever you want, you can just, you can ask for it. See, some people like to focus on verse 15 and forget what he says in verse 14. We like to say, well, you know what? If we, whatever we ask, we know that we have it because he hears us. Well, don't forget verse 14. Don't ignore the text. Are you asking in accordance with his will? Not just name it and claim it. Lord, I really want a new truck. That would be awesome. Like, I don't know that it's wrong to pray for a new vehicle, but y'all are tracking with me, right? Like, are you asking in accordance with his will? And actually, this is not the first time that God has put John, the Holy Spirit through John gives us some stipulations on prayer and the Lord answering favorably. favorably. You, you may have to turn the page or just look with your eyes over to chapter three, verse 22, or verse 21 even. 321, he says of 1 John, he says, dear friends, if our hearts don't condemn us, which we know from the context there, if we're walking with the Lord, walking in obedience, we have confidence before God and receive whatever we ask from him because, because we keep his commands and do what is pleasing in his sight. So again, John is not advocating for this prayer life of live however you want, do whatever you want, and then pray for whatever you want. God will give you whatever you want. Eh, no, wrong. That's not what he's saying. No, but as you walk with him, you have this relationship with the Lord, you're desiring to please him, and you're praying for the things that are in accordance with his will. He says yes to those things. He delights in giving you those things. Now, by the way, what, what is God's will? John doesn't un, unpack it here for us, really, but just like a big, a big, broad perspective. God's will for your life is that you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus, that you love him more than anything and that you live your life for his glory, that you make disciples. Paul in Ephesians prays for us that we would which is in accordance with God's will, that we would know how much God loves us, that we would understand the hope that we have because of Jesus. Maybe a follow-up question. Well, why, why would I want God's will rather than my will? Romans 12, two says that God's will is good, pleasing, and perfect. Let me ask you, is your will, when you always get what you want, is your will, does it turn out to be always good, pleasing, and perfect? No, right? Absolutely not. How often have, like, you finally got what you wanted and then go, oh, shoot, that's not good, right? No, God's will is good, pleasing, and perfect. So, 
we ask anything according to his will, he hears us, he answers favorably. And if we know that he hears whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of him. So with all that being said, second point is this. God is a good father. He's a good father who delights in saying yes to our request. He's a good father. So good, that's clarifying, qualifying even. He's wise, he's discerning, he's caring, he's good. He's a good father who delights in saying yes to our request. You know, uh, we have some friends that, well, their son outgrew uh, his Ant-Man costume and Haddon last night, our little boy, uh, said, Daddy, I, I want a, an Ant-Man suit. And I said, Buddy, you, you, already, you already have an Ant-Man suit. He said, no, Dad, Dad, that's a costume. I want a real suit. <laughs> to which, you know what? I did not say, all right, buddy, let's go spend however much it would take to make a real Ant-Man suit, right? Like, because sure, every four-year-old needs an Ant-Man suit. No, I, I, I said, uh, actually, to be honest, I said, uh, we'll see, <laughs> right? <laughs> Which really, in that setting, again, the metaphor kind of breaks down here, but what, really, no, I'm not getting you an Ant-Man suit. You don't, you don't need that. No, the answer is no. Because I'm not like, I, 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 I'm not a perfect father like God, but I'm an okay father. And so I know like he doesn't need that. So I'm not gonna give it to him just because he wants it. But Haddon, when he is tired and sleepy and grumpy and says, dad, can I just go to bed? I say yes, <laughs> because also I'm an okay father. You see the picture? God is not just some vending machine, some genie in a bottle. Don't misconstrue it, but also don't miss the encouragement John is giving us. God does delight in saying yes. So the question is, are you praying in accordance with God's will? I think there, like, as we think about what do we do with this, with this point and this, these tech, this verses here, like, we could stress out and like, oh man, am I praying in God's will? Am I doing everything right? I think John would go, please stop. <laughs> because again, he wants us to have confidence. Like all through the book, one of his goals has been assurance, a confidence. Not that, not that you would stress out and flip out wondering if you're doing everything right. No, that's not the goal. No, his goal is that you have confidence, assurance when you pray that yes, God delights in saying yes to your request. You, we can know that we have what we have asked of him when it's in accordance with his will. So here, here's how you can be encouraged with that. God, would you create in me a deeper love for you? You know what God says to that? Yes. God, would you help me to love my wife like you love the church? Would you help me to do that, God? You know what God says to that? Help me out. Yes, yeah. God, would you, would you teach me to be loving and patient towards my kids? You know what God says to that? Yes, but because it's patience, he's gonna take it a while so like it creates patience in you, right? God, would you give me eyes to see my, my teammates, the people I go to school with, the people I'm band with? Did you give me eyes to see them as you see them so I can love them like you do and share the gospel with them and show them the love of Christ? God, would you do that in my life? You know what God says to that? 
Yeah. Lord, would you help me to stand strong for you at work? Even when, when the, the talk of everyone is, is gone down the toilet or when everyone is, is choosing to not like walk in morality, God, would you help me to stand firm in you? Would you give me boldness and courage and faithfulness? God says yes. He delights in doing those things. Be encouraged. When you pray in accordance with his will, man, he, he loves saying Yes, I'll give you that. I will do that. So maybe you would say, I don't know, Brandon. Like, I, feel like I've been, I feel like I've been praying in accordance with God's will for a while and I feel like nothing is happening. Like, like nothing's actually progressing and I don't feel like God is saying yes. Well, fair. We've all felt that before. I would say two things. One, remember that God's ways are, are higher than yours. His thoughts are not your thoughts. So even when it doesn't seem like he's coming through, you're a little confused, trust that God knows what he's doing. Second, if you feel like, man, I'm praying in God's, according to God's will, if like nothing's happening, I would say, second of all, know that God often chooses the process over the instantaneous, right? Like God often chooses surgery over the Band-Aid because he wants to still see real life change in you. So be patient. Keep clinging, keep knowing that he's a good father who delights in saying yes to your request. So we're in our prayer plane. We're flying, it's getting cloudy. We got two gauges so far. One, I can know, regardless of how I feel, I can know, I can talk to God about anything. And number two, I can know that when I pray in accordance with God's will, God delights in saying yes to my request. We got one more gauge, one more flight instrument we're gonna look at. And what's cool about this one is not only it's another gauge that gives us obje objective truth, but also John gives us a little picture of what it looks like to pray in accordance with God's will. I'm just gonna uh, forewarn you, there's some, some interesting stuff here. <laughs> Verse 16. If anyone sees a fellow believer committing a sin that doesn't lead to death, he should ask and God will give life to him. To those who commit sin that doesn't lead to death. There is sin that leads to death. I'm not saying you should pray about that. All unrighteousness is sin and there is sin that doesn't lead to death. What in the world is John talking about? <laughs> Pastor David and I were joking this morning, like, we wish, like going verse by verse through scripture is great, but there's times we wish we could just be like, you know what, guys, God told us we should skip these verses today, okay? But, but we're not gonna do that. Um, so what is going on here? I think the first inclination of us is to go, oh man, have I committed the sin that leads to death? Is that me? Like, what, what's going on here? Couple things. Remember, the goal of what John is doing in this book is assurance not doubt. So if, if we leave here, oh man, is that me? Did I commit this sin that leads to death? Like not what John's going for, not what the Holy Spirit's going for. Like, like so maybe just take a deep breath, okay? Um, the, the next thing I would tell you, just kind of laying some groundwork here. If you look at verse 16, it says, if anyone sees a fellow believer committing a sin. So these are sins he's saying that, that, are, that are obvious. So the goal that here is not, uh, is not to go, um, 
demon hunting. The goal is not to go, like, let me go look around, see who's been committing the sin that leads to death. I see you guys out there. Like, that's not the goal, nor is the goal to go, like, demon hunting in your own life, in your own life. Like, now, did I commit the sin that leads to death? Like, no. If anyone sees a fellow believer. Uh, third thing I would say, John's not talking about different levels of sin. He's not saying, well, there's, there's sin that doesn't lead to death and then you people are, are really sinning, sin that leads to death. No, he's not talking about two categories of sin. He's actually talking about two different people, two different kinds of people. Are you still with me? Not convincing, but we'll keep going, okay? <laughs> yeah, two different kinds of people. The first person, notice, he says, if anyone sees a fellow believer, some translations say a brother or sister. So I wholeheartedly believe he's talking about a Christian here. If you see a fellow believer committing a sin that doesn't lead to death, he should ask and God will give life to him. So because they're a believer, he's not saying, well, like they're, they're a believer and now they're, they're gonna lose their, their salvation because of sin and now God will re-save them. No, like as a believer, their sin doesn't lead to death. They're already secured in Christ. So what you're praying for, to use maybe a more um, Reformation term, is the perseverance of the saints, that God would help them to continue walking with him. They would continue to walk in the eternal life that God has already and will continue to give them. Does that make sense? So you're praying, God, would you help this person struggling in sin? The second person is someone who doesn't know Christ. The New Testament, particularly I'm thinking of Ephesians, says that if we, if we don't know Christ, we are dead in our sins. And so all of our sin ultimately leads us to damnation, leads us to hell, leads us to eternal death. He says, there is sin that leads to death. I am not saying he should pray about that. All unrighteousness is sin and there is sin that doesn't lead to death. So again, I think verse 17 would clarify again, all sin is bad. All of it is sin against God. It's all unrighteousness. But again, the person that doesn't know Christ, their sin does lead them to death. And particularly in 1 John, I think the, the person he has in mind that he's been kind of unpacking through this entire epistle is the person who is rejecting Christ as Messiah. So they may say, Jesus was a good teacher. He, he was, maybe he performed some miracles, but he wasn't the Messiah. To reject Jesus as Savior, as Lord, as Messiah is to reject life, right? We saw that a few weeks ago. If you have the Son, you have life. If you don't have Jesus, you don't have life, right? Uh, and it, John even kind of unpacks that further. If you reject Jesus as Savior and Lord, as, as your hope for salvation, two realities. One, you're not going to pursue holiness. You're going to go, yeah, I go to church. I know some things, but I, I don't actually care about holiness. And second, you're not actually going to care about loving other people because it's just about you and looking smart and looking spiritual. That person who has rejected Christ and again, kind of given evidence by caring nothing about holiness, caring nothing about loving other people. He says that person is already dead in their sin. It's the sin that leads to death. Notice John doesn't say, don't pray for those people. 
Look, he, he doesn't say it. He just says, I'm not, sh- I'm not saying you should pray about that. I love the way one commentator said this. John is not closing the door to praying for people who just outright reject Jesus, but he's opening the door to stopping praying for them at some point. There's gonna be people in your life that you meet and you know that they just become hardened to Jesus and want nothing to do with him and reject, reject, reject. John's saying, hey, there's a point where you don't have to keep praying for that. You can pray for something that is more productive, which is really what the, the crux, it's like a duck's in here. <laughs> what is really what the crux, by the way, I seriously love babies in the service. Super awesome. I'm, I'm not joking. I'm serious. Like a, a church with babies is a healthy church. Amen. In lots of ways. <laughs> too far, too far. <laughs> My wife's shaking her head. <laughs> Back to the text. The heartbeat of what John is saying, even though we had to chase that tangent for clarity's sake, is our third point is this. God expects us to pray for believers struggling in sin. That's what, again, I think there's kind of some digression, if you will, there. It's all important, but explanation, but really the crux of what he's saying is if you see a fellow believer committing sin, pray for them. Pray for them. Really simple. You know, often, rather than talking to God, when people, we see people struggling in sin, we talk to other people about the person struggling in sin, don't we? So easy to do that. To, well, man, rather than going to God and saying, Lord, would you, would you be with them? We go to other people and like, ooh, man, did you hear what they did? I see you smiling because you know it's true, don't you? We're all prone to that. John's saying, no, pray for them. Pray that they would see Jesus as bigger and better. Pray that they would, they would have their eyes open to the truth and not be blinded by the power of sin. Pray that they would be free from whatever it is that's holding them captive. Pray for them. Y'all, how different would your life look if people prayed for you when you were struggling in sin rather than talked about you? How different would our church look if rather than like, well, man, you heard their, their relationship's really struggling. How different would it look if we actually prayed for them instead of just having a gossip session? Pray for each other. When you see them struggling in sin, it's not a chance to, to look down on them, but to lift them up to God. And I think like, this is a little side issue that I'll just go for a second. I, I think even like a, a, again, a subordinate secondary thing that is in this idea is uh, having people that you do life with and have accountability and get honest with. And one of our core values here at the church is authenticity. And I think if we have one that we could, we could grow in, it's that one. I go to Southcrest Baptist Church. I never struggle with sin, right? My life is great. That doesn't happen at Southcrest. And what if we started being real with each other and honest and we saw people struggling, going in love instead of just talking about them and now kind of stiff arming them saying, hey, I, I saw this going on or I heard this. I just want to come straight to you instead of being on the gossip train. How can I pray for you, brother? 
sister, do you want to, like, lady to a lady, like, sister, do you want to grab coffee and just talk through this? I'd love to pray for you. God expects us to pray for people, for believers struggling in sin. So, got our three gauges. Number one, God invites you to pray about anything and everything. Number two, God is a good father who delights in saying yes to your request. And number three, he expects you to pray for believers struggling in sin. As Jet was talking to us about spatial disorientation and the flight instruments, he said that really, he said it's kind of crazy. Actually, people, people have died, have wrecked their planes because they chose to ignore the instruments in front of them and went off of what they were feeling. So he said, sometimes you literally remember the whole thing. I saw it with the water in your ear and the, how it makes you feel off balance. He said, you, you will, people feel like they're flying like this, but the objective truth is telling them they're stable, they're flat, whatever, they're where they're supposed to be. He said, where do people get into trouble is when they ignore the objective truth in front of them and say, oh, I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm off kilter. So then they adjust. And the problem is by adjusting, not paying attention to the objective truth, then they get off kilter, they, they're not level, and that's when they end up crashing or getting way off course. How many of us, our, our prayer lives have run amok, have crashed, or we've given up on because we've gone off of how we're feeling and not off of objective truth of what God tells us about our prayer lives? Jet said, man, he said, I'll tell you one thing. If you'll trust your instruments, the gauges, the runway always appears. And he said, man, it's a beautiful thing when you've been in the clouds the whole flight and you know you're getting close to the ground and then right in those last few seconds, the clouds break and there's the runway. But you don't get to experience that if you don't trust the instruments. Well, I really do believe in our prayer lives. Like, there's breakthrough, there's touchdown, so to speak. If you'll fight through the clouds and cling to objective truth. But yes, you may not feel like it, but God likes to hear from you about anything on your heart. That yes, God does delight in saying yes when you're praying in accordance with his will. And yes, he does want you to pray for people struggling in sin. Keep your eyes on objective truth. He'll keep you level. He'll get you through the clouds. Experience breakthrough in your prayer life. So my question as our worship team comes up, which one of those gauges, maybe, maybe all three, but if you could choose one, which one of those gauges do you really need to look to this morning? Which one have you maybe ignored and maybe been going off of feeling and not realized, man, I, this is objective truth I know I can cling to. I wanna ask you to just talk to the Lord about it here in a second. That you would ask God to maybe kind of uh, bring you back centered, bring you back to a level, so to speak, in your prayer life by remembering those truths. Which one of those, which one of those do you need to work on? 
Maybe you've not been praying because you feel like God doesn't care or you, you've not been asking in accordance with God's will. You've been thinking, he, God's never gonna say yes. He doesn't care about my life. Or maybe you've been gossiping about people rather than praying for them. Which one of those do you need to act on this morning? But I'll also say, hopefully if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, you don't have a relationship with him, maybe the Lord is stirring your heart, trust that he is, that God wants a relationship with you. It's why we pray. And he wants a relationship with you so much that he sent Jesus, his only son, to come and die for your sins on a rugged, beat up Roman cross. Left heaven to come experience the pain and shame and hurt of this world. So you could offer you forgiveness, purpose, life, grace, mercy, and hope. If you'll simply turn from your sin and turn to Jesus turn to him. Say, Jesus, I believe in you. I trust you to be the Lord of my life. That's you this morning as we sing here in a second. Um, folks, we'll be back at the coffee station, the welcome center. We would love to talk with you about what it means to trust Jesus as Savior. Or, or maybe this morning, just as a believer, you could use some encouragement. You could use some prayer about your prayer life. Or maybe who knows what God's doing. Maybe there's something going on in your life that I haven't even talked about at all, but the Holy Spirit's working in your life. Again, we'll be back at the, the coffee station, the Welcome Center. Love just to talk with you, pray with you, encourage you. I'm gonna give you all a moment just to reflect and pray and talk with the Lord, and then we'll stand and we'll sing together in just a minute. Let's do that now. If you were encouraged by today's message, subscribe and rate us wherever you stream your podcasts. To learn more about the venue at Southcrest, visit us online at southcrest.org or on Facebook and Instagram by searching for Southcrest Baptist Church. 